What is up, everybody? This is the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerlin, and I am joined today to recap the week that was, week four of the NFL season by Curtis Hirsch and Tucker Bagley. Although, Tucker, uh, no no video and audio yet. I, we're, we're working on that one. So it's just going to be Curtis and I here for a second until we until we figure, figure that out. Tucker will join us here in a little bit. As a reminder, we do this every Sunday at 7.30 Eastern on the Sharp Football Analysis YouTube. So come by, join the conversation every single Sunday. You can subscribe to the channel, get notified when we go live. We go live throughout the week, very often, on Wednesday nights to talk about Thursday night showdown. We do it on, on Thursdays uh, with Rich and I. We do it on Thursdays right before Thursday night football to talk betting with Ryan and with Todd. And so a lot going on here on the YouTube channel, so make sure you come and check it out. All right, let's get to it. Week four, there's a lot of things happening. We obviously had a massive game between the Dolphins and Bills that I don't think was as as competitive as probably we all hoped. But the thing that I got to thinking about today, Curtis, was that you know any given Sunday is a saying for a reason, and that is really the way it is in the NFL. But early on, it has it has really felt like any given Sunday. Like we have two undefeated teams. The Eagles maybe shouldn't be undefeated anymore, but they still are. Um, you know, the 49ers take care of business, but that's that's kind of about it throughout the league. We've seen these teams that we thought were going to be really bad, like the Cardinals are always frisky and always fun. The Rams now are what they're up to two and two with their win against the Colts. The Colts are also two and two. It's been a very, it's been a season of parody outside of, the top, I don't know, depending if you want to put the Ravens in there, six teams. It's been a season of parody, and it really does feel like there's there's a there are a lot of also rands in addition to the elite teams, or at least who we think are the elite teams. So it's just been a weird year to me. Have you felt that? Yeah, and I've kind of got my own saying too. Uh, what what is true today isn't true tomorrow, and that that's true. This what was true this morning isn't true right now. We, we've changed our mind on a few teams. We've seen. Some teams look that looked elite previously. Uh, now they they struggled today. The Dolphins they didn't show up today against the Bills, and they got their clock cleaned. And it's some teams uh, regression, and very there's a lot of variance in these games. So one big play here or there, it, and it, the teams are so close now that it can turn out to be one play here or there. The Vikings this year probably aren't as bad as they are, their record, and yet last year they weren't as good as their record. So it's just there's so much variance in these games. It comes down to one or two plays in the red zone, one or two calls here, a coaching decision, and we're starting to see some crazy results. And yet again, we see the Cardinals just continue to try hard. Yeah, and I, I think it might be that there there are more good teams maybe, like or I guess maybe more even teams. It doesn't seem like we really have really have the the bad teams that are going to going to you know just really well. Sorry, Chicago. We'll talk about the Bears. By the way, the Bears have the number one and number two overall pick right now. Uh, congratulations. So Bears and Panthers. Those, we'll we'll keep those going. But yeah, it's just it's it's a really it's been an interesting it's been an interesting season so far. And you kind of brought it up and I guess we should just hit on this at the top because this was definitely the biggest game of the weekend that we were that we were looking forward to and that is that is the Dolphins versus the Bills. The Bills ended up winning 48 to 20. You know, this game got started like a 
like it was going to be the track meet we expected. Like we were going to have a really exciting, maybe like a 48-45 game. The Dolphins came out scoring. Devin A. Chain doesn't do anything except score touchdowns. And then the Bills kept going and it just it didn't work out for the Dolphins. They got behind the eight ball and then it, you know, it kind of fizzled out from there. So I guess the question is, what are we what are we taking out of this for each team, specifically the Dolphins? I mean, I think we kind of knew what the Bills were and we knew that the Bills were very, very good. This kind of win escalates that or elevates that more. Um, but the Bills, I mean the Dolphins, that that side of it is surprising, I would say that they went in there and ended up losing by, you know, 28 points. Yeah, I want to put the Bills a little bit. I know after that first game, it was talked about Josh Allen trying to do too much when they lost to the Jets in, in a <laughs> crazy fashion. But this is what you get with Josh Allen. You can have performances like today, and he was absolutely elite. Uh, I know the coordinator of the Dolphins had a couple things to say about him during the week, and it looks like he took it pretty personally because he came out like a, man possessed is carrying the ball he's chucking it down the field like let let josh allen be that that's one thing there it's one week it's a team they struggle against they've now struggled against them for a while and i think that look forward to seeing how they rebound from this as well yeah i mean this really did the offense the offense is going to be fine they weren't terrible they still average 6.8 yards per play which is really good um Tua still averaged like 8.1 yards per throw which is really good the offense is going to the offense is going to be fine but i just think like the defense this is we've now played they've now played two teams that we think have good offenses they played the chargers and they played the bills and they gave up 34 points to the chargers and they gave up 48 points to the bills and this Dolphins team has more talent on defense than that. Even with Jalen Ramsey out, this team, and they do have some injury issues, I know that, but this team has more talent than that. And they have a better coordinator than that. Vic Fangio has done really good things in this league as a defensive coordinator. And so that part of it is odd to me. I don't, I don't really understand kind of where, why they're struggling in the way they are. I mean, it, this is a blip. They're going to be a very good team. But that part of it has, you know, is a bit surprising to me. And we got Tucker in here, so Tucker. So we're talking about the Bills and Dolphins game. So kind of what are your overall thoughts coming out of that game? Yeah, it was definitely a come-back-to-earth moment from Miami, right? And after scoring 70, I think a lot of people may have thought, you know, they, they were just kind of due for a letdown. That, that's human nature, maybe, especially after you play a, a Broncos team that, you know, really struggled with the Bears for, for three quarters this week. But you mentioned, like, their, their defense today – you know, I think Josh Allen, a guy who's you know really questioned by a lot of people the last couple of weeks, he put up 320 yards, completed over 80% of his passes, four touchdowns. Stephon Diggs at his best uh, game of the year with three touchdowns and 120 yards. You know, this was it. It kind of it looked like the Bills were the much better team, which I think people may have thought coming into the season, but it was definitely a shock after last week after watching Miami kind of be on top of the world looked absolutely unstoppable and their offense was, was fine today, but yeah, it's, it's not time to sound the alarms yet. Cause you're, you're due for a letdown every once in a while over a, a 17, 17 game season. But yeah, the, the way that Buffalo kind of just ran over them all offensively and could do whatever they want. It's kind of worrisome because those are the teams that you're going to have to beat. If you want to go deep into January and to the Super Bowl. you're not going to play Denver there. You're going to play teams like Buffalo like Kansas City, some of the other top teams in the AFC. So 
yeah, if you're looking at Miami, I think right now, still waiting on them to to you know kind of pass that final test and prove they belong in that upper echelon. And I think you you kind of raised the point with Josh Allen is that you know the the discourse around him has been maybe not as positive, and that shows the importance of those island games. That week one island game was still in everybody's head. The Bills have been dominant the last two weeks before before this game. The Bills dominated the Raiders. The Bills absolutely destroyed the Commanders, who gave the Eagles a game today. Game so fits. like. They, they absolutely destroyed those teams. Josh Allen was really good in those matchups. So, yeah, I think that it kind of shows the outsized way that Island games affect perception and affects perceptions of teams because the Bills were – the Bills had been a juggernaut since that really weird game in which Aaron Rodgers leaves after four plays and things like that changed games. And so I think that that maybe, maybe changed it. But yeah, the Dolphins defense, they have to figure it out. They have to be better. They have the talent to be better. They need, they just need, uh, they just need to do it. We kind of mentioned here um the Bills, you know, talking about the Bills. I didn't want to make a mention of their defense. The defense was really good in this game. The defense has been good. They did lose Tredavious White in this game to what they're calling an Achilles injury. Tucker, it seemed bad. This really feels like a we're gonna find out on Monday that this is an out for the season kind of thing. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we're going to see Tredavious White uh, again this season. This is tough because he tore his ACL in, in November two years ago, missed most of last year um, recovering, and, and he probably is you know their, their best cornerback. You look at their safety situation right now, Jordan Poyer was inactive today. I think they will get back Von Miller pretty soon. I think he's supposed to rejoin the team at practice. So that'll help their front seven. I think they had four sacks today, so they don't need a ton of help, but – yeah, they're, they're secondary right now. I think it's a big question mark. With Jardavius White out, they struggled a little bit at times last year before he came back. He, he's going to miss the rest of the season. And you add in both of their safeties. Micah Hyde missed a lot of time last year. He's been banged up with a hamstring injury. Kind of worry about that secondary moving forward because you have a lot of older pieces, especially at safety. Um, if they can't hold up, I don't know if they have really the, the depth to keep playing at such a high level. Yeah, Jordan Jordan Poyer missed this game as well, right? And so, yeah, so they've been having they've been having issues there. So it's it'll be interesting to watch. But both these teams, I I think, both these teams are are in good shape. Let's go through some of the other injuries coming out of Week Four. It was another bad week. Curtis mentioned this at the top. It's another bad week for injuries. Um, one of the more kind of interesting ones was to Justin Herbert. He threw an interception late in that game. The Chargers, you know, they they. St- held on to win after another Brandon Staley decision. We can talk about that uh, later on. And Herbert made a play late in the game. He threw a deep pass down the left sideline to, uh, I believe, Palmer to seal the game. So it all seemed fine. But it looked like he had his non-throwing hand maybe stepped on. It was heavily taped. It had a splint on it. Curtis, did you did you kind of get a look at it? it? It didn't look great. It did not look pretty. Uh... Yeah, no, it looked it looked bad uh, with, with the tape. Although I guess the good news, Tucker, is that it was to his non-throwing hand he played through it he was able to connect on that i believe they're on by next week uh if i'm yeah, correct they, about that they have a, an early buy i believe it's it's this week um but the fact that it is on his non-throwing hand i think it just becomes a, a comfortability issue i mean it, it'll it'll suck if he gets sacked again or you know someone steps on it like it's it's not a, an easy place to to keep your hand safe but it shouldn't really affect him throwing the football so as long as he's comfortable playing out there as long as he can can manage the pain and, and keep it taped up, 
think the only thing it, it may really affect is ball security if he gets out of the pocket and, and tries to scramble. But as far as him throwing the football, I, I don't think it'll it'll have any effects um, in these next couple of weeks as he heals up. Yeah, and we saw actually some of that with they did the under center for a sneak that didn't work on fourth down. We talked about that in a second. And then on the kneel downs, they he was in shotgun for the kneel downs. And so I, I, I assume that that had something to do with it. But yeah, they are on by in week five. And so that should be, you know, that should be, a, that should give him some time uh, to heal up. I do want to talk about that decision from Staley. So they were on their own, I believe, 34 yard line, very similar to last week. They had a fourth and short. They went for it. They didn't get it. The defense, you know, the yeah. defense held up. The defense uh, got an interception at the goal line. Um, Samuel uh, probably should have taken it back for a touchdown. He slid down. They, you know, had to get that that third down to, you know, ice out the game, but they ended up getting it. But, it, but Curtis, this is two, two weeks in a row with a guy under fire, Brandon Staley, and he's, he's rolling those dice. And this is the thing. Like, this is what he was known for early in his run with the Chargers, and it didn't work. And then he kind of got away from it. Now he's like, well, I'm getting fired anyway, right? Let's let's roll these dice and let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, again, it, I, the right call, and they just can't get a yard. The It's not the call. It's they got to spend some time figuring out how to make sure we get one yard. And it, again, they win the game if they get that yard. Then fortunately, they're playing against a backup quarterback who threw an interception at the goal line. But they sneak away again in Charger fashion and see either they're trying to win games or lose games. Like they're just the Chargers, man. It's how it's how they roll. I don't think they're built any other way. Yeah, and it's wild. They it's so wild that they just can't close games, and it's just it it happens over and over and over and over and over again with this franchise, with different coaches and different quarterbacks. And I just, it's one of the more interesting things. I don't believe in like in like supernatural things and and you know and curses and things like that. But the Chargers have gotten me closer than I think I've ever been. The Chargers and the Ravens secondary. Those are the two things that have gotten me closest, I, I think, to ever believe in it. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Steelers. Tucker, we had two injuries on offense there for them. Kenny Pickett, um, it looked like his leg kind of got caught under a defender when he was getting tackled. Pat Fryermuth, he ended up with a hamstring injury. Did we get any news about these? Do you have any thoughts on on kind of what we're looking at with these two? Yeah, guys? I think Kenny Pickett's going to have an MRI tomorrow, or at least earlier in the week. So I, I think we'll, we'll probably know more then. I, I I don't think it's an ACL. If it were, that'd be something we probably would have already heard. Um, so in best case scenario, it's just a, a sprain, the knee structurally sound. But I would be surprised if he's back on the field next week. I, I think we're probably looking at at least a, a short-term absence for Kenny Pickett, but I think we'll know more tomorrow. I think once we get an idea and a diagnosis of what it actually is, we can put a little bit more of a, a firmer time frame on him coming back. And then for Pat Fryermuth and his hamstring, I just see in like week seven, week eight, like hamstrings are so tough, especially for tight ends and, and skill position players. Um, I think they probably don't even try to risk it. Just sit them down for the next couple of weeks and, you know, we'll, we'll see it towards the end of October. It seems like the same thing with Mike Evans then, who also left with a hamstring injury. I didn't even see the Mike Evans hamstring injury play. All of a sudden, he was just walking back to the locker room. Yeah, he was just limping and back. So, Another thing that worries me with the Mike Evans injury is just how old he is. I think he's he's 30 now, and for someone like that, an aging wide receiver, I think you just have to be a little bit, a little bit more cautious 
Um, and, and you kind of look, he's been incredibly consistent. He's played a, a lot of games in his career, hasn't missed a ton of time. So that that's one where I think Tampa Bay is going to be very, very cautious. And you'll see a lot of Chris Godwin the next couple weeks because they don't want to bring him back because we've seen it with other aging receivers. Like think about when uh, Julio Jones was with Tennessee. Um, it just felt like he'd get hurt and they try to bring him back and it ended up being a one week absence turned into five or, or six week absence. And I don't think Tampa Bay um, really wants that to happen with Mike Evans. So I, I would imagine he's probably going to miss a couple weeks too. And whatever they think it could be, I'd probably add a week on top of that because they, they just want to be cautious with an aging wide receiver like Mike Evans. You know, it was more, it was more interesting to call a 30 year old wide receiver aging when I was 25 than it is now that I'm 38. Uh, but although I guess I can, I can, uh, I can associate more with with the aging part of that. Tristan actually commented here on my my Guardians Cup. Thank you, Tristan. Yeah, this is uh, my local theater. Always has these for the big Marvel releases, and my wife gets very angry at me that I come home with one after every Marvel release. She's like, "We don't have enough room." And I have like seven of them, but it's fine. I'll have a Thor one next week. We'll do we'll do Thor next week. Um, we also had an injury here with uh, Javante Williams, a hip injury. It was a weird injury. I, I don't know if either of you saw it. He kind of like, he was trying to round the corner and then it seems like something went and he just fell over. It was non-contact. Somebody did land on him. It doesn't seem like that was the reason. I've seen some reports out there that it it might've been, it might've been, you know, a groin injury. Tucker, did you see anything else about, about this injury? Yeah. The latest I've seen is they've described, it's been described as a, a hip injury and not a groin injury. Cause originally it was a hip or groin injury, hip slash groin injury. Um, but I, I believe it is being described as a hip injury now. So we don't really know what it is. Like you said, it was a weird play that he got injured on and, and you know, had a limp off the field. The one thing that I think about is because he's still recovering from that torn ACL that he, he suffered not even a, a year ago at this came back point. back very quickly from, too. And he came back very quickly. That's something where I, I think they might want to just take things slow. And you don't want him compensating with a, a bum hip and putting more pressure on that knee that, that was just recently reconstructed. So that's another injury where it might not be a whole lot, but they just may be very cautious um, with the recovery process because they don't want things to compound on a, on a third-year running back. Yeah, we speaking of Tampa Bay wide receivers, we saw that with Chris Godwin last year, early right. in the year. And so, yeah, you you need to be careful. I actually I meant to go with you, Kurt, uh, Curtis, with the Tampa Bay wide receivers, and I want to come to you now with Denver as well because there's some interesting there's some interesting waiver situations here with Mike Evans. You know, we talk about Trey Palmer caught a touchdown today, uh, an exciting rookie wide receiver for sure. With Denver, we have Jaleel McLaughlin, who you know made noise in training camp, made the roster, and now. You know, he could be looking at a big role. These are two interesting waiver guys for this week. Yeah, very, very interesting. The young the young running back in Denver has some juice. He, he's he got some speed and he looks fun. He's definitely not Samaje P. Ryan who, who's there. He's going to fill his role. He's going to be his third down back and just kind of be there to protect Russell on passing downs. But this is the guy that, I, like Tucker said, I don't think you're going to want to rush Javante back. This is probably already a compensation injury from, from that injury. Being back early, you're going to want to rest him. He's They're not going to win the Super Bowl this year. you got to start thinking about the future of this kid. So I, I'm going to be pretty heavy on Jaleel McLaughlin. Like he, he looks good, man. He, he can pass. He can catch balls. Russ is checking down the ball a lot somehow. Sean Payton has got him to look 
for short passes and uh, I, I'm interested. I'm thinking this is going to be one of the bigger waiver pickups of the year because I think he's going to have a big role moving forward. Yeah, I I agree with you. I, I kind of we put in the slack when it happened. I was like, this is a this is a big bid situation. Also because I believe McLaughlin scored, and I could be getting my timeline wrong here. You know, when you're watching like eight games at a time, it can get a little hectic. But I believe McLaughlin scored his touchdown before the injury to Williams. Is I'm pretty sure that's true. If it's not, then you know, sorry. It's a yeah, it's Sunday one night touch and my like brain two weeks work. ago and got a touchdown on that one touch. So it was one of the they know that. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's been he's been explosive. It's been it's been fascinating to kind of watch. And like I said, it is interesting when these when these names that you just hear about in training camp, when these names come out to be something and they show up and you go, oh, this this is at least interesting. So yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be big on him on waivers for sure. You know, pending the Javante Williams news and kind of what comes out of that. One more big fantasy football injury to talk about, and that's T. Higgins who had a rib injury. I also didn't see this play in the injury. Like I saw him go down hard on, I think it was his last target of the game, but I didn't really see kind of where this happened. Tucker. It was, it's a weird injury. Yeah. I missed it. I wasn't really tuned into the, the Cincinnati Bengals game. Unfortunately, they haven't been a, a big draw this year based on how that, that offense is going. But yeah, I, I don't know if they're broken ribs. I don't know if it's just bruised ribs, but I'd imagine if he does miss time, it's probably only a, a one-week injury for him. I think they're playing on Monday Night Football in week six. So that gives him a little bit of extra time there. So this is something that I, I wouldn't expect to to you know become a long-term issue. But worst-case scenario, I think he misses one week and, and comes back in week six. Yeah, and is there anybody, Curtis, on the Bengals like with this passing game in the state that it's in? Is there anybody, even if T. Higgins is going to miss some time, that we're – we're interested in. I mean, Charlie Jones got put onto IR, so all of my all of my rookie dreams, I think, are on the back burner there. Like Tyler Boyd, but he's not really out there. Is there is there anybody on that team that we're super interested in? Not really. Um, the, this passing game just can't get going, and if they do, that they're just featuring Jamar Chase anyway. Uh, yeah, Charlie Jones. I was just looking up the name of the other guy. I can't. It's not coming to my mind. And um, but yeah, it's really. They're not doing anything exciting in the passing game anyway. So I think in the next week or two, you're going to have limited burrow. Just if you don't have chase, don't play this offense. Yeah. I think that that's at the point. That's the point we're at now. I mean, I guess Mixon uh, moving forward. I believe they, they traveled to Arizona this week and uh, we know how frisky Arizona is and how fun <laughs> Arizona is. Like that's not, that's not a good spot for the Bengals. The uh, Bengals Joe are... Mixon has actually looked quite good this year. That, that yeah. offensive line can't block anything. Their their run blocking numbers are awful, and Mixon has actually looked reasonable compared to lat compared to last year at least. So he, he, if you have him, you still have to start him, obviously. But outside of that, it's a pretty tough offense to be a part of right now. And also, kind of in that game, I guess since we're talking about it, we can we can stay on this, that game for a second. I mean, first of all, the Bengals are in serious trouble. Like, if you're not throwing against the Titans, you're not going to throw. That I mean, we saw with last week, we talked about Deshaun Watson. He got going and, you know, obviously he missed this week uh, in kind of one of the weirder, kind of weirder injury situations <laughs> of the week. But we saw him get going against against the Titans, and 
the Bengals come in there and they have a little bit of success against the Rams. And you think, all right, we're going to see them really open it up against the Titans. We're going to see Jamar Chase have a big game. He had a fine game based on volume, but I mean, this, this is bad. This is not last a slow start from last year because Joe Burrow's hurt. The passing game doesn't work. And the defense, I mean, the defense is giving up what 27 points to Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. Like Tucker, this is bad. Like, this, this is, is their a bad Bowl window too. This is their last year with exactly. T Higgins. He's, He's gone. They they're not re-signing him. They don't have the money to re-sign him. Like this is this is the window with the big three, and it, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, I think this it's. I, I mean, they're the biggest disappointment I think so far through four weeks. Like I, I don't think it's it's Easy. crazy to say that. And they've scored three points now in in two of their four games. And I, I just wonder how much that Joe Burrow calf injury is is really weighing on this offense. Not nothing else is really working. To, to the point where I, I can't just pinpoint Joe Burrow and, and his struggles. I think he's still completed like 67% of his passes, but only for, you know, 150 yards today or something like 5. that. 5.5 yards per attempt. Yeah, like Mark Chase had seven catches for 70 yards. It's just nothing is working, and I, I wonder how much of that calf injury is still bothering Joe Burrow. We talked about it a little bit a couple weeks ago. That, that might just be something that kind of lingers for a while, a calf injury. I think is really tough to get back from and is something that he could just re-aggravate at any point throughout a game and have to deal with it. And he said last week that he didn't re-aggravate it against the Rams and he's trying to build on it. And each week he doesn't aggravate it. It's going to get stronger and stronger. He's going to get better throughout the week. But I think that also just points to Joe Burrow not being fully healthy. Right. And and if he's just trying to get through games without re-injuring it, then that means it's still injured and it's still bothering him and it's still an issue. And, yeah, right now as we watch Cincinnati, luckily they're in a division that no one is necessarily pulling away and, you know, is, you know, 4-0 or, or really putting their stamp and, and burying the other three teams. But you kind of look at it for four weeks and, I don't know, obviously they have Arizona coming up this week, which should be a, a favorable matchup, although that we saw what they did to the Cowboys last week. But they'll, they'll be probably pretty big favorites on the road against Arizona and then Seattle in the bye. So the next three weeks I think are crucial. They can figure out, to maybe steal these two games and get into the bye week with a healthier Joe Burrow. Maybe they come back and they have San Francisco week eight out of that bye week. I think that'll be a huge test. I think that could be a game where either the Bengals, you know, announce themselves as being back or they could be buried before we turn the calendar to November. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned the, the division because the division is suddenly like really fascinating. So the Steelers are crushed by the Texans. It looks like they're losing Pickett probably at least for a couple weeks. You know, obviously we have to, we have to, um, you know, see how, how bad that actually is. And then we see the Browns crushed by the Ravens without Deshaun Watson. You know, they won last week against the Titans. Their defense is still pretty legit. And so we'll, we'll have to see what happens there. But the Ravens appear to be in the driver's seat in this division, despite Losing to Indianapolis last week, which, you know, that was a bad loss. Maybe a look-ahead loss, but it was a bad loss. And they have one of the most injured rosters in the league. And here they are in the driver's seat for this division because the other three teams can't stay healthy, have injury issues of their own, and, um, you know, can't can't get going in terms of the Bengals. So it's just a – it's an interesting division. So yeah, it's, it's, we have a – go ahead. No, it just it's, – it's weird because even though – Baltimore is three and one. I mean, three teams they beat, they beat Houston, right? And CJ Stroud's NFL debut. They beat a Bengals team by three. Like they, that was their toughest game 
Then they obviously beat Cleveland today with a, a rookie quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson, who I don't think necessarily belongs on an NFL field at this time. But yeah, right now they're just kind of winning games, even though they're missing a lot of key players on both sides of the ball. Um, their offensive line is banged up. Their defense is really banged up. The fact that they keep winning, like I just think that's a, a testament to John Harbaugh and even Lamar Jackson too, like what they've done to just keep rolling and, and keep winning when they don't necessarily have all the pieces. I think that's huge because when we make the excuse, when we talk about why Cincinnati isn't winning, well, Baltimore's just as injured, if not more so, maybe not to their most important player, but the fact that they're able to, to pile up these wins when they aren't at full strength, I think is a huge boost to them and their playoff chances, especially in a, a fairly weak division. And Marcus Mariota up next. <laughs> or not Marcus Mariota. Uh, I was about to say. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky. Is that who is? Oh, Mitch Trubisky. The Steelers. Are they playing the Steelers next week? Yeah, that is the true. Steelers they do play the Steelers third third backup quarterback yeah. in three weeks. Pretty pretty wild. So that, that definitely helps, too. They're, they're injured, but they've also had some very fortunate injury luck of who they're playing as well. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're getting, they're definitely getting, you know, the benefit, the benefit of that. Also, um, kind of just as an aside, does anybody know, either of you do any, what are the Titans? They have two absolutely awful offensive performances on the road. And then they have two outstanding wins at home. Like who, what are we doing? Who, who are the Titans? When you're ready so two, to write them two, off to sell their sell every part possible to rebuild, they come out with this kind of game. It's like I wrote them off a couple weeks ago, and then they come out and win. And then same thing after last week. Oh, they're terrible again. Like Derrick Henry looks broken. Ryan Tannehill has no awareness whatsoever. And then and then today, <laughs> and then Henry beast modes uh, angry yeah. runs for for a touchdown. And so, yeah, I don't, the Titans, the Titans are confusing me. By the way, there's some, we do this, by the way, live on YouTube every single Sunday at 7.30. And so we're, we're keeping up with the information as well. It seems like there's a report floating around Twitter that T. Higgins has a fractured rib. Normally that average is about two weeks, so likely out week five. And so, yeah, likely to miss a little bit of time, but maybe, you know, certainly not something that's going to keep him out for, for a long time. And, by the way, whenever we get the official news on T. Higgins or any of this other injury news, Javante Williams, Jaleel McLaughlin, you can read about the fantasy implications of all that in Curtis's waiver wire column that's released every single Tuesday morning. It's part of our fantasy package, part of our all-access package over at sharpfootballanalysis.com. If you go there, you can use the code ANGLES to get 15% off of that package. So go and check that out. You'll get Curtis's waiver wire with the all access package. You'll get all of Rich Rebar's worksheet previews. You get all of his DFS previews, which were hot again this week. They've been hitting uh, for the last three weeks in a row. If you do the all access package, you'll get Warren's betting recommendations. There's just a lot over there and you can get 15% off again using the code angles. So make sure you go and check that out. A few other injuries, just kind of the defensive side and offensive line to talk about. Tron Armstead, um, he's kind of knee buckled when he was hit from behind. He left on crutches. Matthew Judon seems like he has a biceps injury. Christian Gonzalez, the very good Patriots um, cornerback, that uh, he also left with an injury. So those are definitely some things to watch out. And while we're talking about the Patriots, let's talk about the Cowboys versus Patriots. Last week, Curtis was in shambles after the Cowboys lost to the Cardinals right before 
right before we got on to record. I assume you're feeling slightly differently uh, coming into this week's episode. Yeah, just just like we talk about the Titans, what the heck are the Cowboys? <laughs> Stepping up to play a, what is considered a really elite defense, and they're going to have to figure out how to score in the red zone. The, the defense is scoring more touchdowns than the red zone offense right now, so uh, it, it'll be a great game next week. Yeah, lost in that, you know, it was a big win, but like the red zone troubles uh, persisted again for the offense. And so here we are. Here we are. I think the bigger news and kind of bigger story coming out of that for the for the NFL as a whole, not for you know, wonderful Cowboys fans like Curtis, for the NFL as a whole is that Mac Jones was benched in the third quarter of this game. He had a fumble six. He had a pick six. He had another interception. They The Patriots scored 20 points against the Eagles, 17 against the Dolphins. 15 against the Jets and three before he was benched against the Cowboys. Tucker, it's not like they've given him any help, but this has not been a this has not been a great start for Mac Jones a season after he had already been benched for Bailey Zappi. So it's we we might be nearing kind of the end of the end of the line here with Mac Jones in New England if this if this doesn't improve. Yeah, I don't know if there are any more kind of excuses or scapegoats left in New England, right? Because last year it was all because they didn't have an offensive coordinator because Joe Judge and Matt Patricia were kind of, were, you know, pushing the buttons. And now they finally brought back Bill O'Brien and this offense was gonna, you know, move and, and they had professionals at the helm on that side of the ball. And it obviously hasn't worked. Like he's looked just as bad, if not worse, than he did a year ago. The offense doesn't make a whole lot of sense. He looks confused at times. He, he's struggling against pressure. And, yeah, you get benched for Bailey Zappi, who didn't even make the team out of training camp, right? Like, he got sent yeah. to the practice squad. They tried to they tried to trade for Matt Corral because they didn't like Bailey Zappi. And, then and you Bailey know, you kind of came back. look at where they, they fall into. And, and I don't really know what the Patriots are either because I think their defense is fine. I think their defense is good. They lost this week because the Cowboys' defense is incredibly opportunistic and, and really prayed – uh, on an overmatched offense, but that's kind of the way the Patriots have been since Tom Brady left, isn't it? Like that's the way the Cam Newton led Patriots were. That's the way they've been with Mac Jones is they have a, a great defense. And if the offense can put up 17 points, they have a shot at winning, but if not, they're kind of stuck. And yeah, right now I just don't know where they turn. Like there's no other options right now where you can find a quarterback to take this, you know, offense from being a C minus offense at best into something that's more passable and more complimentary. Right now, they're a very lopsided team, and they have been for a while, you know, since Tom Brady left, which you can't just find another Tom Brady. They don't grow on trees. It, it is a, a tough guy to replace. I get that. But, I mean, they, they haven't had a legitimate starting quarterback since since the guy retired, and that's sort of been the issue for Bill Belichick in this franchise for the last, you know, four or five years, however long it's been. You mentioned the defense, and I actually, you know, I've talked about how the Patriots, they played the Eagles tough. They played the Dolphins tough, two teams that we thought were pretty good. And so maybe we weren't giving them enough credit. And it was because their defense, I think, is pretty good. And now they have Judon hurt. And now they have Gonzalez, who's been Gonzalez, you know, yeah. one of the better rookies hurt. And so if the defense is not going to is not going to be able to as good as it was, the offense has to work. I will say there's probably one more excuse left, and that's that their number one wide receiver is either Kendrick Bourne or Devontae Parker. And that's not a great situation. The offensive line is not great in front of him either. But yeah, it's it's there's been no elevation. Mac Jones not elevating this offense. They, and that becomes an issue. And as you said though, like where's the solution? I guess I don't know, Curtis, are we are we still trading Kirk Cousins? Is is are the Vikings still trading Kirk Cousins in your mind? Is that 
That's uh, something you should be looking at. He's got to be a, an option for some team. But if you read the preseason preview we put out, the Patriots had an absolute murderer's row schedule. So the, the offense hasn't been good. But, man, look at look at who they've played so far. And, and it doesn't get any easier. So not not making excuses. I, I took the under early on in the year on these guys because that there's just no games where they're layup games. They're just playing really good teams every single week. So... That, that's kind of what I want to say about that. So we want to talk about the Eagles versus Commanders, which I'll, like, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm using the multi-views and I'm, I'm watching as many games as I can as we go. That was one that didn't make the cut because mm-hmm. I was like, all right, yeah, this is going to be, we saw what the Bills did. And then I look up and it was, what, 24-24 late. And I'm like, oh, and I turned on the game and <laughs> I, I watched the end. And it was, it's just an odd game. Um, it was just a very weird game. Uh, the, the, like you look at the commander stats and you think, oh, how did they score? What did they end up scoring? 31 points. Like, how did that even happen? And it's just, it was a weird game. I didn't watch a ton of it, so I can't really say, but, but uh, Curtis, you seems like you watched a ton, a, a good amount of this game. Uh, just we're, we're, yeah. My wife and I were watching the overtime and I'm looking, look over and she's cheering for them because she just recently watched the Kelsey prime thing and she is like she's just so you know if the cowboys and the eagles play this is titch or this is jason kelsey's last year so i'm cheering for him so she's cheering for the eagles in this overtime and i like that yeah mar- marital struggles here i do have to give her credit she does take an interest in football and my activities but yeah she's definitely cheering for the wrong team this afternoon <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's it's funny the uh the defense though it seems like I know maybe is a little bit of a problem. I know they shut down Tampa Bay um, last week, but you know, give up 31 to, I believe it was 31 to to this team to Sam Howell after what the bills defense did to them last week. And again, it's a week to week league. We talked about it any given Sunday. So, you know, this is probably a blip for them, but they certainly have not been the juggernaut. They were last season. They have not been putting teams away. They were away the way they were last season. And you have to imagine Especially give if you look at the the coaching job that is being done by both Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon, who by the way, just never talk in front of the media again, Jonathan Gannon, because you do awesome on the field. Just never talk. Never let any videos of you talking go. Because that's that's when it goes wrong. Like they made it they might have just lost a lot of coaching brain power and it might just take them Tucker, it might just take them a little bit to kind of get going. This season. Yeah, and that's what it, it kind of looks like. And I wasn't a, a big fan of Jonathan Gannon when he was here. And I, I look at what Sean decides on it. And I think the biggest worry for me is, you know, the book on Jonathan Gannon was, was he could shut down poor quarterbacks, average quarterbacks, right? Like he, the Eagles defense last year had no problem beating quarterbacks like Kirk Cousins, like Mac Jones, like Baker Mayfield, like Sam Howell, who they've beat this year, but They've also all diced them up. Like Mac Jones had a great game week one. Sam Howell, I thought Sam Howell looked great uh, today. He got sacked, I think, five times. But but his ability to get the ball out quick when he could, it used all his wide receivers, um, had 290 yards on, on 29 completions. Terry McLaurin had a big day. The Eagles secondary is a, a little banged up um, right now. But, yeah, what the defense has done this year, they've made average quarterbacks – look good, look better than they should. And that was something that with Jonathan Gannon, it never really happened. Now they were never able to shut down the 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 great quarterbacks, right? They struggled against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. They struggled against other top quarterbacks during Gannon's time here. But right now I think the defense has taken 
a step backward. They still have a lot of talent, but I, I think if if you're an Eagles fan, the thing you take away is how good Jalen Hurts looked today. I think for the first time all year, he looked like the guy who was an MVP candidate. He was 25 at 37, 320 yards, two touchdowns. He he ran um, for another 34 yards on, on nine carries. He had a 24-yard scramble at one point during a key drive. The Eagles were playing behind for you know most of the first, uh, first half, and, and he was able to kind of calm the storm and bring him back. So I think offensively, the Eagles are getting kind of back to where they were a year ago. But defensively, you're, you're still waiting for them to, to take that big step to, to being an upper echelon unit. Because even last week, when they shut down Baker Mayfield, how much was them shutting down Baker Mayfield? And how much was it the offensive coaching staff shutting down Baker Mayfield yeah. by letting Rashad White <laughs> run on first and second down pretty much every possession through the first three and a half quarters? Yeah, it's... That's actually a really good point is that I, I came out of that Bucks game feeling a lot better about the Eagles. And now here we are right back to where I was feeling after the after week two. And so, yeah, that could have been that could have been some coaching issues on the other side for sure. We're, we're running out of time a little bit here, but I do want to hit on a few other things. Um, Colts versus Rams was a really fun game. If you didn't watch that game and you have the ability to go back and watch it, the condensed version on YouTube or, or whatever, mm -hmm. I'd recommend it. That was a really fun game. Two of the biggest positive surprises, I think, coming out of this year have been have been the Colts and the Rams, who are both now, I believe, two and two. The Rams ended up winning in overtime. Um, Puka Nakua does it again, nine for 163 and one. I mean, it seems, Curtis, like we're getting, like we're getting a Cooper Cup back this week. Uh, maybe like what are stay we away, doing? Cup, stay away. <laughs> like it's, it's wild. <laughs> are we just gonna have two of these guys? Like how are how is this gonna work? Yeah, maybe then then they can give Kyron Williams less touches. So maybe that's <laughs> but yeah, it, Matt Stafford is balling again. He looked really good again today. He's just got that like man, Puka is amazing. We I know we went on the over with his bet today and he, he was coming out firing really early and then they got a big lead and thank goodness uh, the Colts came back and made that an interesting game. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what happens when Puka or when Cooper cup comes back, who's their number one now? It's, it's, it's interesting. It could be a really fun offense to watch because I still don't think their defense is all that good. So this could be yeah. another really fun fantasy team to watch. So, and Anthony Richardson led that comeback. He was only 11 for 25. Um, he missed, you know, we see the things that we thought we were going to see out of Anthony Richardson. He's missing throws and, um, you know, he should be making more happen in the passing game, but then he gets out of the pocket and makes, you know, and leads this comeback and makes plays with his arm, with his legs. He's just super fun to watch. And you see the building blocks there of what could be a really good quarterback and having him paired with Shane Steichen, who again, leaving Philadelphia, maybe we've seen some how good of a coach he actually is, has this team two and two with a defense that also isn't very good. I mean, one of the things, reason Stafford was able to carve them up is because this defense over the middle of the field, is just, you can you can dice them up. And so, yeah, this was, this was a, a really fun game. Some other kind of quick things, uh, Chicago, it's just, I, Tucker, I had the, I even tweeted out the, the, Sean Payton, you know, it was the worst coaching job I've ever seen last year. I tweeted it out when it was what twenty eight nothing, and then or twenty one nothing or whatever it was, and then here, here, here they come storming back. And the Bears give up, give up the the uh, come from behind win to the fighting Russell Wilsons. Uh, the Bears, they have the first top two picks now. 
Is there anything to say other than they're bad? Tucker? Not really. I mean, I, I it was funny. I I benched Justin Fields for Anthony Richardson in my fantasy league, and in the first half, I, I was cursing myself. How could you do that? And then by the end of the one o'clock win, I was like, well, thank goodness I did because they ended up being being about the same once Richardson, you know, uh, threw those touchdowns and, and ran for another one. But they just look at Chicago and I just clean house, and you know, I think Justin Fields has some talent, but it clearly hasn't been developed right by that coaching staff. And the fact that they, I don't know why you ever do this with young quarterbacks, the, the Chargers did it too, but when you choose a defensive head coach and, and pair him with a rookie quarterback, it doesn't make sense. It, it never works. I don't think it ever will work. It, it just seems silly to me and, and everything just, it makes no sense. And Chicago now is going on like 15 years of being, you know, perpetually bad. They've had a, a couple decent years here and there, but I just, I don't know. They, they've lost, I think, 14 or 15 straight games dating back to last year. And I don't know how much long Matt Eberflus is, is going to be around to lead that team. Mm-hmm. But I, I think come January or February, whenever they decide to do it, they're going to be cleaning house and they're going to be rebuilding that, that entire franchise from the bottom up. Because you look at, like you mentioned, the draft assets they have. I mean, I think any GM or any coach worth, worth their salt is going to be licking their chops about the idea of getting Caleb Williams and maybe somebody else at the top of the draft and being able to build a, a team from the ground up with the assets that they have moving forward in 2024 and beyond. The question is, yeah, did they probably... send the GM pack into the same guy that traded uh, for Clay, Chase Claypool, who traded the top Healthy pick in the second man. round? Next year is your guys' year, Bear fans. Sorry sorry, you guys thought it was this year. Next next year, it's it really is. Um, yeah, I, it's probably not a great sign for the coaching staff when now you're going to trade Chase Claypool because he's now the second offensive player to come out and criticize you. And I guess you can't make Justin Fields a healthy scratch, but you can you can make Chase Claypool a healthy scratch. I guess the good news is that uh, this coaching staff will not be the one coaching Caleb Williams or Drake May. You know, there's some people that like Drake May too, so we'll we'll see kind of where we end up uh, next uh, next April few other things. I mean, Derek Carr probably shouldn't have played today. I don't know if y'all got to watch any of that game, but it, it was not good. It was not. Alvin Kamara, I think, had 11. He had the most catches of anybody today, and I think he had 33 yards. I think he had 11 yeah, catches he, for 33 yards. It was bad. And then they brought in Jameis Winston, and he throws it deep once, and it's an interception. So um, <laughs> there, there you go with the Saints. Uh, the Falcons, you know, we talked about this after week two. They had two tests against the Lions and Jaguars. They failed both of them. Desmond Ritter is not the answer. Um, it's time to see what Heineke has. And as always, the you know the Cardinals. The Cardinals are fun. I'm really into the Cardinals. We're having a great time. Kyler gets back. It's going to be even better. All right, let's 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 start to close this up. There were a few names we talked about here on The Wire, but I, I know you have a lot more that you're interested in this week, Curtis. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. And my one main thing is we are now in a quarterback uh, problem. There is not enough good quarterbacks in this league, and you can just stream defenses against these quarterbacks moving forward uh i do like trey palmer i've always kind of been a fan of him and if mike evans misses some time he's the guy i'm going to be looking at and but it's going to be a fun fun week again in waivers as this was another really bad injury week now you also had on here terrence marshall who was you know yeah interesting we'll see what happens with mingo I also like uh, the other name in here that I, I want to mention, and I assume will be in the column, is Keaton Mitchell, who I, I have picked him up in a lot of deeper leagues already, getting trying to get ahead you know, of the Ravens. They 
they seem to like him. They brought him onto the roster. We don't know when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back when first eligible this week. But that is a that is definitely a name a name to watch for this week. Speaking of watching, Tucker, what are you what are you looking forward to in the week in the week to come? What about week five has you interested or anything we're watching this week? I mean, I think it's the biggest game of the week. It might be the biggest game of the year up to this point, but it's Cowboys 49ers, right? I think they've clearly been the two best teams in the NFC, except for maybe the, the Cowboys hiccup last week against Arizona. But I think it's a huge test for both teams. Is the Cowboys defense really that legit going against a, an offense, probably with the most weaponry uh, across the NFL with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey? I don't know if you can find a trio of weapons better. Like George Kittle's an afterthought and that offense at this point, which is, is pretty crazy to think about considering where they were a couple of years ago. But that offense going up against that defense, Brock Purdy going up against a, a defense that that preys uh, on indecisive quarterbacks, I, I think could be really fascinating. Then on the flip side of the ball, can Dak Prescott in that offense, you know, score on a, a 49ers defense that, you know, has just as much talent as the offense side of the ball of, of that team. So I think to me, like, that's the, the one game. If you had to pick one game to watch in week five, it would be that one. I think that's by far the most fascinating matchup and will tell us a lot about two teams who think they can play into February. Where we are on George Kittle now is I was hoping that Debo Samuel sat so that I could actually play George Kittle in DFS. That is that is where we are. He needs one of the wide receivers to not be playing. By the way, Brandon Ayuk went wild today. Absolutely wild. Brandon Ayuk is he is the wide receiver one now. They are better and best. What about you, you Curtis? Just need to get their spike weeks. They, they all can't produce except CMC every week, but then the other three, they have to share their time. Doesn't he have, I, I think I saw a stat that he has something like 20 touchdowns in 18 games. With more, the more, than more than that. It's more than four. that. In every single game, he's he's had one as a 49er. Every single That's regular wild. season game. Just bonkers. Anyway, what, are you, what are you looking forward to this week? I look forward to seeing what happens with Jonathan Taylor on Monday. He says he's healthy. Yeah. He's he's eligible to come back. What what happens there? I I Keaton Mitchell, you did mention. I think the Ravens are in need of a running back. They're still a really good team. I know they are analytically sound, but you look at what they did when they acquired a linebacker last year. This could help that offense out right now. So I I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in that situation. I'm really looking forward to the Bears at the Commanders on Thursday night. <laughs> That's a fun one right there. Can't can't wait. Um, I did say this earlier. The Bengals are traveling to Arizona this week, and that is that is interesting. They there could be we could certainly be looking at a one and four Bengals team uh, this time this time uh, next week, which would be which would be something for sure. We'll actually be back to talk about whatever happens next week. What that game. Between the 49ers and Cowboys, uh, with the Bengals, if Jonathan Taylor comes back and uh, you know has its revenge season for Jonathan Taylor, we'll be back to talk about that next week at 7:30 on Sunday on YouTube. So make sure you go on there and check us out. If you're listening to this podcast version, like I said, we're over on YouTube Live. You can join the conversation, and we'd like that. Um, go to SharpFootballAnalysis.com. You can find Curtis's waiver wire column there. You can find Tucker's injury columns there. Make sure you check those out. Make sure you check out our all access package, which again, you can get for 15% off using the promo code angles. And we will talk to you all next week.